Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. What's up, Christ Walk? How is everybody doing today? I feel like we can get the energy level up just a little bit more than that. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? So good to see you. Um, I don't know uh, what time you got up and out this morning, but it is March 1st. And when I got up and got out this morning, there was ice on my windshield. And I was thinking, this is not why I came to Florida. And as I, like, I still have, from times that we lived in other places, I still have an ice scraper in the little compartment there in my door. And so I was out, like, no one else was stirring around in my neighborhood. Everybody else was still snug as a, a bug in a rug in their beds and everything. And I'm out there scraping my windshield going, the devil is a liar. And so is Punxsutawney Phil. He is, and I was just angry this morning because March 1st ain't supposed to be like this, um, but hopefully spring is, is on its way. And um, I am just, I'm pumped up about today. If you've got your Bible, you've got a smart device, um, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to um, the New Testament. We're going to be in the fourth gospel together. So the Bible's divided up into, um, into two large sections of scripture. You have the Old Testament towards the front of the Bible, the New Testament towards the back of the Bible, and the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the gospels. The reason we call them the gospel is because gospel means good news. And those four books in particular are good news because they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so we're going to be in the fourth gospel in the very first chapter. So the gospel of John chapter one, and we're going to land there in just a minute. And we're going to jump around um, to several different, we're not going to have just like one um, main scripture passage for today. We're going to jump around quite a bit, but all of those are going to be on the screen, and this is going to be um, a, a relatively practical, like nuts and bolts kind of message. So I would highly encourage you, if you're not already, to, to take some notes. There's probably going to be some stuff you're going to want to write down, um, some principles, some scripture references, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we are in um, part four of a series that we've been calling "Confessions of a Church Pastor." That makes people kind of uncomfortable. Like, I wonder what he's going to confess. Um, but it it all stems from. From this passage that uh, that Paul wrote to um, to the the church. Uh, in Colossae, the Colossians, um, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 there. We've read it several times, and I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. This is Paul writing. He says, since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing that you do, and then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life. And, and, and what we're talking about today, um, right here in Colossians, is that going to be on there for me? There we go. That you'll mature in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. 
And then it rounds out the passage with verse 11. And we pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory. And so we're in part four of this series, like I mentioned. So if you can remember all the way back to part one, or maybe you weren't here for part one, two, or three, you can catch those um, on our podcast, on our YouTube channel. Um, If you want to look at me and see my beautiful face, go to YouTube. If you'd rather avoid this because it causes you to stumble into sin, I understand. Go to our podcast. Um, No amens from the front row for my wife. Nothing, nothing there. Can't help me this morning. Um, All the way back to part one, uh, we talked about knowing God's will and that, that, that God's will is for us to be holy. The reason is, is because holiness is the key that unlocks the door to God's presence. And anytime we're in God's presence, then we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of his will. And then in part two, we talked about the importance of walking in righteousness and and that we are counted as righteous because of our belief in God, but that we continue in righteousness because of our behavior when we act according to um, the principles of God's word and that God wants us to be undivided or or single-hearted in our approach of him and our pursuit of him, that, that we're, not, we're not going to pursue a whole bunch of things, that we're going to put him first and keep him first and pursue him alone. And then last week, we talked about working to bear fruit and that, that fruitfulness, um, the, the prerequisite of fruitfulness is faithfulness, that, that faithfulness is what leads us to fruitfulness and that, that we are to be faithful in the areas of our seed, our soil, and our season. And that we, we learn together that wherever there is fruit, there is a future. And so today for the next uh, few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about knowing God, particularly through his word. So knowing God's word. Um, when, when I was growing up as a kid and I was a teenager, and, and this, what I'm about to tell you, I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade around this time. But um, my grandfather was actually the pastor of the church that we attended and um, the church was really, really holy because we still had Sunday night service, you know. Um, that's how you figured out who really loved Jesus because you'd come to church on Sunday night and look around and you'd be like, these are the people. Like, these are God's elect right here, you know. And, um, and I was a part of the youth group at that time, you know, sixth, seventh grade, just, just kind of jumping into um, to the youth group. So I was like the low man on the totem pole. And, and we would do these things every so often. Um, after Sunday night service, we would, we would have this thing called an afterglow. And, um, and we, would, we would, yeah, some of y'all remember. Y'all like, I remember that. Yep. Yep, I've been I've been going to church for a long time, um, and and so like like we we would we would go over to someone's house like another another member of the youth group like their parents would would throw this party or whatever and so all the youth would just crash um, this neighborhood at someone's house and there'd be food and and video games and like you know we'd be playing basketball in the driveway and like all kinds of stuff and and um, I can remember like early on in in the first the first uh, uh, afterglow that I went to one of the first ones um, one of the old Older kids, probably like a junior or senior in high school, was like um, to some of us uh, lowly sixth and seventh graders, they're like, hey, you guys want to go snipe hunting? Yeah, that sounds awesome. 
What's snipe hunting? Well, you see, and, and it really, it, it depends on, on where you're from and, and, and what age you are that you grew up. But, but for me, um, I was told that a, that a snipe was, was something, it was kind of like a squirrel, only it had feathers. And that should have been my initial tip off right there. But I was like, I've never seen one of these before. And they're like, well, that's because they only come out at night. And they're very elusive, but you can catch them. And I was like, well, what do I need? They're like, well, you're going to need a stick and a pillowcase. And I'm like, okay, this sounds amazing. And so you're going to have to go out into the woods where the snipes live. And, and so, you know, me and a couple others, you know, they, uh, the, these, these um, older, you know, because we want to be just like these guys. And so they're, you know, like, we're like, yeah, like, we're, we're in on this, you know, like, this is, this is cool. You've never talked to me before, but you're talking to me all of a sudden, and, you know, yeah, I'll go out into the woods with a stick and a pillowcase to hunt something I've never, ever heard of. Yeah, this is going to be great. What could go wrong, right? So they lead us out into the woods. It's pitch black. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Well, so what you need to do is you need to crouch down, and you got your stick in one hand and your pillowcase in the other hand, and then you need to make this noise. You know, like you click, like with your tongue, like in the back of your throat, right? You know, and so here I am, being really still, stick in one hand, pillowcase in the other, you know, me and a couple other buddies, and we're, because that's how you call the snipe, right? You got to like, you know, it's like a snipe mating call, kind of what you're doing. And so, and then, and then the, the, the juniors and seniors in the youth group, they're like, we're going to leave. And, and we're going to go circle back around into the woods, and, and we'll, we'll flush them out and drive them towards you. And then when it comes along and you see it, like you hit it with a stick and then scoop it up in the pillowcase and then bring it up to the house, and we'll all look at it, all right? So, you know, like 30 minutes goes by. <laughs> no snipe. An hour goes by. Come to find out, they're just back eating all the pigs in a blanket playing the video games, and we're out there in the woods because snipes don't exist. What is that? Right? Jerks. Have you ever felt like maintaining your relationship with Jesus is like going on a snipe hunt? Like, like there's the promise of a great reward, but you're just kind of out there in the dark and you don't really know what you're looking for or how to even go about doing anything. And you're like, well, like somewhere along the way, somebody told me that I needed to crouch down and get my stick and, you know. And like, do you ever feel like, like you, your relationship with Jesus, like what you desire, it's like you, you think it's possible and you hear people talking about it, but for you, it's just, it's something that's elusive. It's just like out there in the ether. My confession today is, is, is simply that, like, just because I'm the pastor of a church doesn't mean that I don't feel this way. Like, sometimes, like, like having a relationship with Jesus, maintaining that relationship, like, really knowing him in the fullness of all he is, is quite difficult. Sometimes I feel like that I don't really know what I'm doing and, and that, that I'm, just, I'm just in the same boat with everybody else and like we're just kind of faking it until we make it, right? Has anybody ever felt that way? Maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning. That's fine. Sometimes I feel like, that, like, like God, am, am I doing this right? Am I doing it? Like, is this what it's supposed to be like? Because at times it feels like I'm just kind of out in the dark. Just kind of feeling around, hunting for something that 
I was told it was out there, but really don't know what it looks like or what to do if it comes my way. And over the course of my life and ministry, what I've discovered that um, in, in times that I've, that I've felt that way, in times that I've walked through seasons where, where my relationship with Christ has been somewhat elusive, I've discovered this, and it's, it's the big idea of today's message. And um, if, you're, if you're taking notes, I do want to encourage you to write it down. It's a very simple statement, but it's, it's this. It's, it's, we can't know God without knowing his word. We can't know God without knowing his word. It is, is 100% impossible. And, and before we go much further into this, I, I, I do, because um, some of you may have questions and, uh, and stuff and, and, and say, well, okay, like, but what about prayer? Like, isn't that a way that we know God? Well, yes, it is. And, and prayer is actually like the other side of the coin to this, and, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about prayer today. I really, really do want to talk about knowing God through his word, but, but can I just say that, that prayer is like, this is the language of our prayer. See, if we know God's word, then we will know how to pray. Because the, the cool thing that God did is, is he gave us his promises. He gave us the guide map, the things that he wants for our life. And he said, he, like, like when, when we, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, we, we get down on our knees. Like, well, like, what do we say beyond that? It's this. It's God's word. This is what we pray over ourselves and over our loved ones and the people. Like, we pray the promises of this word. We pray the principles of this word. And so, so that's like, like, just keep that in the back of your mind, that, that it's not just knowing God's word, that prayer and communication with God is also a major part of it, but that it stems from and it is, it is foundational upon this book right here. And so... Um, it's important for us to know that, but, but for, the, for the time that we have today, I really want to focus in on the relationship that we can have with God through his word. And so I, I want to give you four things that you and I can do, four things we can do to get the most out of God's word. Four things that we can do to get the most out of God's word. So it's just going to be like, maybe you want to number your paper one to four, whatever that looks like for you. Um, Four things that we can do to get the most out of God's word. The first thing is we need to change our perspective. We need to change our perspective. We need to, we need to look at God's word differently than maybe we have in the past. We've got to change the way that we view the Bible. And James Merritt, um, who is a former uh, president of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, he said this. He said, the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. The primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but to know God. And in, in John chapter 1, um, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14, it, it says this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was what? The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Go to verse four. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. 
And then we skip down to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, or maybe your translation says full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what John is talking about right here in the very beginning of his gospel, he's talking about the word that becomes flesh. And so we're talking about Jesus. Okay, And he connects the dots all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, where there in the early verses, it says that, that God said, let there be light. And then God said, let there be this and let there be that. And everything that God creates, God says it first. He speaks it into existence. And so what John is doing is right there at the very beginning of his, his gospel is he's connecting the dots all the way back to the beginning of, of creation, the, the, the beginning of our existence, where God speaks things into existence. It is God's word that comes forth and things are created. And then we fast forward all the way to the New Testament and John says the very word of God, the things that he spoke into existence have now, the, like the, the agent for that stuff, has now become flesh and dwelt among us in human form as his son, Jesus Christ. So in as simple of terms as I can put it, like we would say that the Bible is God's word, that, that, that God, God breathed and, and that through, through the power of the Holy Spirit that he inspired men, some 40 authors over um, you know, uh, uh, thousands of years to, to write the words that are in this book that we call the Bible that God spoke this word into existence through the hearts and the minds and, and the hands and the quills of men that, that, that brought this into existence. And so, so if, if all the way back in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, then that means that what I'm holding in my hand right here is not just a book. What I'm holding in my hand right here, this is Jesus. That's crazy. Now, now don't get me wrong, like, this guy's weird. Like, no, like, like, I'm not saying that, like, Jesus is, like, leather and paper. That's not what I'm getting at. But the words in this book, they are the very, uh, the, the substance and the embodiment of everything that Jesus is and was and will ever be. Like this is the fullness of God to us. And, and, and what, what's crazy is, is that, that God, he, he gave it to us so that we can, like, we can have it, we can touch it, we, we can feel it, you know, and, and, and there's, like, there, there's, there's some, some ways that, that we engage, that we interact with and, and encounter the, the body of Christ. For those of you that were here last week, you may remember that we took communion, and we had some tables up here, and there, was, um, there were some, some little wafers and some, um, some cups of, of juice, and we call that the, the body of Christ. It's symbolic of his body, and so it's a way that, that we can taste and touch and feel and, and interact with Jesus. Um, when, when the church, just like we're doing today, when, when we come together 
For those of us that are believers in Jesus, we are Christ followers. That, that we call that the, the body of Christ, that, that like we make up his, his body. And, 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 and there's, a, there's a few different ways like that that we were given because, because if, if not, then because Jesus is he, he's in heaven right now. He, he ascended into heaven. He's not, he's not with us like, like he was with those initial disciples and everything. So our relationship with him, what do you mean you can have a relationship with like someone who's not there? Well, he is there through, through us gathering together and, and partaking of communion. And then on a daily basis, he's right there with us. We can reach out, we can touch it, and we can have a relationship with him. And when we open up his 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 book, when we open this up and, and we read it, then it, it, it becomes alive to us and it speaks to us and it, it communicates with us. And, and he gave it to us as uh, something to, to have a relationship with him so, so that we could know him. And it is out of, out of this, out of his word, that, that everything that we look around and see came forth out of this. The word of God who spoke things into existence. And that very word, think about that, the God that spoke the universe into existence has been placed in the palm of our hand or in our pocket on our phone or however it is that you might interact with it. You and I, we've been given this to have a relationship with it. This is living, breathing Jesus Christ that we get to be a part of and we get to interact with every single day. And it just takes just a shift in our perspective. It's not just a book. It's not just something to put on the shelf so that we can look spiritual. It's not just something to keep the dinner table level if one of the legs is wonky. This is the living, breathing person of Jesus Christ given to us to interact with, to have a relationship with. It starts with a change in our perspective. The second thing, in order to get the most out of God's word, not only do we need to change our perspective, we need to understand the purpose. We need to understand the purpose. All right, Blake, if, 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 if that's Jesus, then like what's, what's the purpose behind it? Like why did God give this to us? Well, well Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is alive and powerful. It says it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Watch this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. What that means is that when we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. When we read the Bible, the Bible reads us, and, and it's telling us the things that, that we have. Go, go, go back to that, that previous scripture there in Hebrews. When we read the Bible, it reads us, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. It, it gets down to the nitty-gritty of, of who we truly are. It, it, it shines light on us and, and puts us under a magnifying glass so that, that we, can, we can then take our lives and then compare it to the life and the person of Jesus Christ. It's not just us reading about Jesus and who he is, it's Jesus reading our lives and pointing out to us how we stand up to his example. We take it a little bit further. That's good right there, Kyler. We take it a little bit out of the mouths of babes. We'll take a little Holy Ghost lap right there. 
Some of y'all can follow suit, help the pastor preach just a little bit. There you go. In 2 Timothy, Paul takes it a little bit further in in chapter 3, and he says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. And when I learned this verse, as a, I learned this as a memory verse as a kid. I learned it in the, in the old school, the King James Version. And it, it uses four, uh, four uh, terminology or four terms there uh, it's, it's, that it's useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction for righteousness. Now, when I was a kid and I learned that memory verse, I didn't really know what that meant. But here's what that means right here. When it talks about doctrine, it it's telling us what is right. It's useful for doctrine. It's useful for telling us what is right. When it talks about reproof, it's useful for telling us what ain't right. If it's useful for correction, it's telling us how to get right. And if it's useful for instruction for righteousness, it's, it's how to stay right. And so when we read God's word and God's word reads us, It shines the light on our hearts and and it identifies within us what is right and what ain't right. And if it ain't right, how to get it right. And then once we get it right, how we can keep it right. That's what God's word is about. And so when we shift our perspective and and, and that that allows us to to understand the purpose of what's going on because because the reason that, that God gave us his word to read and interact and have a relationship with is because God wants us to become like his son Jesus. And so he gave us his word to to point us in that direction and show us these are the things that you need to do in order to become like my son. And, And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so if we become like Jesus, we become like our heavenly father. That's how it works. So we change our perspective. We understand the purpose. The third thing is we need to adopt a new process. We need to adopt a new process. So let's ask some questions. Let's ask some questions. If we're going to adopt a new process, well then, what is it that I need to do? Paul writes in 2 Timothy, go back one more, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to rightly, to correctly handle the word of truth. What's the word of truth? It's this right here. We need to rightly handle it. Rightly handle it. Well, why do we need to rightly handle it, right? If that's what we need to do, why do we need to do that? Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to rightly handle the word of truth so that we can live a life outside of sin, that we don't have to succumb to the power of sin in our life anymore, that we can live separated from sin and we can live lives of, of, of holiness and in single-hearted pursuit after God. So if the what is, if the what is that we need to rightly handle the word of truth and the why is because it, it helps us to live apart from sin, well then when are we supposed to do this right when are we supposed to do this psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 we talked about it last week i'll bring it back up again 
This week it says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. When? Day and night. That means when you get up and when you go to bed and everywhere in between. Like that's when we're supposed to be meditating on it, thinking about it, consuming it, engaging with it, interacting with it all the time. Like it should be a regular and active part of our lives because we've been commissioned to rightly handle the word of truth so that we can live our lives apart from sin. And in order to do that, we have to be about it all the time because the devil is always chasing after us. He is relentless. He is never stopping. He's not going to take any time off. So we got to be sure that we are constantly all the time in God's word or that God's word is at the forefront of our minds. And the only way we can get it into our minds is if we first get it into our hearts. And the only way that we can get it into our hearts is if we take the time to read it. And when are we supposed to do that? Well, day and night. But if we're going to do that, how? How? Well, you need to get yourself a Bible. (laughs) Step one, check. And maybe you're a millennial and you're like, what is a book made out of paper? I've never heard of something like, like this. That's, a, that's crazy. You're a dinosaur. Um, people like, I show people my Bible, some kids, and they're like, is that from the Smithsonian? Um, they have no idea. Um, but like maybe you're a digital person, and that's cool. Get it on your phone. There's a great app out there, it's called the U version app, Y O U V E R S I O N. The reason it's called U version is because you can have it in any version you want King James, New Century, NIV, NLT, other languages, whatever. It's on there. And there's all kinds of reading plans as well for you to interact with. That you can read about like topical things or, or books of the Bible or whatever that, that you can, like, that, that are speaking to right where you are living. And now there's a feature that, that we can like read that in, in unison together as a, as a part of a reading plan together. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the year for 21 days of prayer and fasting, there was a bunch of us, there's about 35 or 40 of us, I think, that participated in a Bible reading plan together through the YouVersion app. And coming up in a few weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be doing another one, and we're going to be engaging in this, this Bible reading together. And you'll find out some more information about that in the coming weeks. But, but it's an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to come together and, and participate in the Word of God together and have some online discussion and, and some interaction because we can't always be together. And it's a way to maintain connectivity with each other and, and with God's Word. So, so we, we need to be sure that, that we have a Bible that's accessible to us, and in 2020, there is no excuse. There's no excuse for us. But then we actually have to have a process. We have a process for like, okay, like how do I even start reading? Like, what do I do? 
And you guys have heard me, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but I, it, it's, it's so impactful to me, and, and I brought mine with me to even show you. It's what we call the soap journal. Um, how often should you use soap? Daily, all right, hopefully. Some of if you're not, if you're not using soap daily, allow me to pastor you. Might be a good idea. The person next to you would, would certainly agree. Um, so we use soap daily. We also, we, we also soap journal daily. And, and, and I know that some of you are like, yeah, right. He doesn't do that. He just talks about it. And I'm like, here's my soap journal. Here it is. This is it right here. I'm not bragging. This is like how God helps me to learn things and how he communicates with me and how I spend time with him. And, and it's, uh, it's so because it stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Matter of fact, I, I did one this morning. I'll just read it to you. So you start with S, scripture. That's what did I just read? What did I just read? So um, today I read Psalm chapter one. It's March 1st. I read Psalm one. Um, and one particular verse out of that stood out to me, verse six. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So then I went on, so that, that's the S, and I actually wrote it down in my journal. And then you go to the O, the O is observation. The observation is, what is God speaking to me through this verse or passage? And so what I wrote is, is what does it take to be godly? If, if, um, if the Lord watches over the path of the godly, then what does it take to be godly? Well, that's revealed in the, in the, the earlier verses of this passage that I don't need to follow the advice of the wicked. I don't need to stand with sinners. I don't need to join in with the mockers. That's in verse one. I need to delight in God's law and meditate, it on, meditate on it day and night. That's verse two. I need to bear fruit and remain planted. That's in verse three. So those are my observations. Then you go on to A, application. So if this is what I've read and this is what God is, is speaking to me through this, then, then what do I need to do about it? And so here's what I wrote this morning. I need to search myself and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to search me for any way that I'm not listening or obeying verse one of Psalm chapter one. I need to take greater delight in both the reading and the studying of God's word. I need to get to the place where I enjoy it and I look forward to it. Those are my application points. And then the last one, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Here's the prayer I wrote. God search my heart. Convict me of any way that I, am not, that I am following the advice of the wicked. Help me to see any area in my life that I'm choosing to stand with sinners. Keep my tongue and my mind and my heart from joining in with mockers. Give me a greater passion and desire for you and your word. Help me to truly delight in it. I want to fall in love with it. I want the time that I spend in it to be fruitful and transformational Give me strength and courage to remain planted even in the midst of drought and heat. Help me to bear your fruit in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. It's as simple as that. And then now, weeks or months or years from now, I can go back and I can look at March 1st, 2020, and I'll be able to see this is what God was speaking to me. And it will become a gauge for my life. Did I put that into practice? 
Am I living that out? Am I better at this now than I was back then in terms of what God was communicating to me? And it's just a simple tool. It doesn't have to be a moleskin journal like this. It can be a, just a spiral-bound notebook or a composition book, or you can do it in the notes section on your phone. But if you're trying to figure out how to have a better relationship with God through his word, soaping every day, it's the best way to go, easiest way to go. It puts it into, into like practical nuggets that you can just take and use and that will change your life right from the get-go. So first, we've got to change our perspective. Then we have to understand the purpose. We have to adopt a new process. And then fourth, we gotta put it into practice. We gotta put it into practice. God's word wasn't meant just to be read. God's word was meant to be acted upon. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, every time we open up God's word, we're looking at the face of Jesus. But if we don't take action on it, then we're walking away and we're forgetting what Jesus looks like. But it says there at the end, I love what it says there at the end of that passage. It says, if you do what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What that means is that obedience to the Bible positions us for an outpouring of God's blessing. Obedience to the Bible positions us for an outpouring of God's blessings in our life. And this is not something that is, that's brand new. This is something that has existed since the beginning of time, since, since God began to place his word in the hearts of men. We go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is what we see. This is Moses. He's writing God's word to the people of Israel. And he says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. What are the commands he's talking about? The commands of God's word. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Can I just tell you that the, the, the number one thing that this world needs is some adults who will allow the next generation, who will allow their children and, and younger people, the people coming up after us, that we will allow them to see us openly engaging with the word of God. It's the number one thing that this world needs because each and every year, each and every generation is, is diminished. It gets diminished a little bit more, a little bit more, it's torn. And so, so what, what we, we, need to, we need to put that in reverse and we need the next generation to see us be a people. We need those kids that are, that are in Kids Walk this morning that, that are getting ready to move up and be in here to be a part of, of this whole body 
as an adult follower of Jesus Christ, we need to go ahead and set the, the tone, set the example for them now of what it looks like to truly be a Christ follower. And the best way that we do that is, is by allowing them to see us interact and engage with God's word. Moms and dads, your kids need to see you reading the Bible. Your kids need to hear you discussing the Bible. That, that, that should be a part of the discussion around the dinner table, that, that we talk about God's word. We talk about the commandments. When we're at home, when we're around the dinner table, when we're in our living rooms, when we're on the road, drive time to school or home from school or to ballet or piano lessons or soccer practice or whatever, that it's a regular part of the conversation. When we go to bed, we should spend some time with our kids talking about God's word. Or once they get grown, then they read God's word for themselves before they go to bed. And when they, when they get up, that it's a part of what happens in the morning, that, that it's a part of our everyday routine, our interaction and our engagement with the scriptures. Because the greatest thing that we could ever do for the next generation is to model engagement with the word of God for them. So if we want to get the most out of God's word, we need to change our perspective. We need to understand the purpose. We need to adopt a new process and then we need to put it into practice. Start living it out for other people to see it. I'll leave you with one more thought. If you close and the band comes to lead in worship to this out of Psalm 119, very well-known passage. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, if we'll stay grounded and committed to God's word, the path before us will remain illuminated and clear. If we'll stay committed and grounded in God's word, then we're not going to be, to be tempted to, to veer off to the left or the right, but instead, day after day, we'll keep our arrow pointed in the direction of our heavenly father step after step we'll continue to take steps toward him if we'll just stay in the word because this is not just a book it's the very embodiment of Jesus Christ and within it contains everything that you and I need to figure out how we stack up against him to see what is right about our lives what's not right about our lives things that are not right, how to get them right, and then once we get them right, how to keep them right so that we can become more like Jesus. Here's what I know. We're not just going to slip and fall into a relationship with God's Word. We've got to prioritize it. We've got to prioritize it and make it number one in our relationship with Him, and then pray these words over our life in the lives of our loved ones, those that are around us, the principles and the promises that we find in here. Believe that for ourselves and for our families and for our church, for our small groups and our serving teams and our workplaces, our community. And all of that begins by simply just saying yes to Jesus, stepping into a relationship with him, asking for forgiveness of your sin, making the commitment to him that he is the Lord of your life. If you're
you're here today and you'd like to do that, I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I I want to live for him for the rest of my days. I want want to uh, ask him to come and, and, and live in my heart, be the Lord of my life, cleanse me and forgive me of my sins. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's you this morning and you would say, Pastor Blake, I, I want to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. Would you, would you make that known to me and to your heavenly father by just sticking your hand up? You just put it up real quick and put it right back down. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? If that's you today, whether you raised your hand or not, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you need the prayer, it's, it's on the screen. You can just pray along with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. You know, as as I was thinking and praying and preparing for today, I couldn't help but think about that that verse that we just read, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. I dare to venture that there's some people here this morning that are walking a pretty dark road. If that's you, and you would say, Pastor Blake, I, I, need, I need the Lord through his word to shed some light on the situation in my life so that I can know the direction that I'm supposed to go, so that I can be sure that I am on the path to righteousness, that I'm, I'm moving in his direction, that I'm becoming who he wants me to become. If that's you today and you find yourself in a dark place, in a dark situation, and you need the word of God to shed some light in your life so that you can know what direction to head. I'd love to be able to pray with you at the close of this service. The band is gonna come and lead us in worship as, as we respond to his word. And if that's you, when we stand, I just wanna invite you to just get out of your seat right wherever you are and come forward right here in front of the stage. And Sarah and I, we're gonna come, we're gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna pray for you and we're gonna believe for God through the power of his word, the embodiment of Jesus Christ to show up and make the way plain and clear to you today. Can we do this? all over this house. Stand up. Let's get ready for worship. And if that's you, step out now. Don't wait. Come forward and receive prayer today for God to move in your life and shed some light on your situation. Thank you for joining us. We hope you are inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.